You're listening to an ACR 2021 podcast, a compilation of reports, interviews, perspectives, and panel discussions that feature the Room Now faculty and noted experts. Hope you enjoy. Hi, Room Now. I'm Dr. Rachel Tate from ACR Convergence 2021. And today I am joined by our esteemed Team PSA faculty. Um, you have come to know them throughout all of our reporting, and I want to take a second to really introduce them and to make sure that you know just how important and special they are. And today we're going to share one abstract each to tell you kind of our best of ACR for psoriatic arthritis. So I'm going to start with Pete. Pete, introduce yourself, please. Hi, everyone. I'm Pete Castillo. I'm in Dallas, and uh, this is my first year with Room Now, and I've just had uh, such a blast. So thank you for having me. We are happy to have you as faculty. Moral, tell us where you're at. Hi, everyone. I'm Moral Ramahey, and I'm reporting to you from Indianapolis, Indiana. Excellent. Thank you. And Tony. Hello, I'm Tony Chan. I'm a rheumatologist in London, UK, and I'm really uh, glad to be with you all to, to join this session. Thank you. We're so glad to have you. Olga. Hi, I'm Olga Petrina from New York City. I'm very happy to be here, been with Room Now since the day it was created. So really enjoy this meeting and being with all of you. Yeah, you've been paramount to our faculty from the beginning. And another person who's in that boat too is Robert Chow. Robert, tell us about yourself. Hi, Robert Chow. I'm a rheumatologist over in Northern Virginia. Um, I'm really excited to be here and uh, let's get the show moving so people from the UK can go to bed soon. Yeah, that's very true. And then, of course, Richard, uh, the prolific tweeter of the group. I am Richard Conway from Dublin, Ireland. And uh, yeah, a really enjoyable meeting, but glad it's over with the, the time difference so we can finally get some rest. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you guys are exhausted. You and Tony must be exhausted. So we'll jump right into it. Um, we're going to start with morale. Tell us some of your favorite, or tell me one of your favorite um, abstracts or sessions this year. The one I'm choosing, um, there are a lot of great abstracts, so it's hard to choose, but the one I'm choosing I thought was potentially practice changing. So do any of you use RAPID-3 in psoriatic arthritis to monitor disease activity? Well, abstract 0633 shows a strong agreement between RAPID-3 remission score with DAPSA and CDAPSA when redefining the RAPID-3 score categories. RAPID-3 is a much simpler way to monitor disease activity, and so I think it potentially is practice changing to use this as a disease activity measure in our psoriatic arthritis patients. Of course, so we think need more studies to validate, but... <laughs> Of course. Well, I think it's really interesting because we often talk about how hard it is to categorize and truly understand disease um, assessment for patients who have psoriatic arthritis. I will tell you, I saw this particular abstract and said the same thing, you know, rapid free is easy for me to get. I already utilize it on my rheumatoid arthritis patients. Do, do you guys use it in RA? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So I think it'll be interesting to see what happens and what comes from this. It's a good one. Robert, tell us about yours. Yeah, sure. So um, I like to sort of branch off. You know, we see a lot of uh, treatment sort of abstracts with the newest jacinid or the newest biologic. Um, a really interesting study was 1362 when they looked at um, exercise and psoriatic arthritis. You know, I think that's a common thing. People ask me, what exercise can I do? What should I avoid? Um, and they looked at uh, stationary bike uh, and they used... Um, 
they, they had them do hit, you know, high intensity interval training. So actually about, you know, four or five uh, sort of hit intervals, two, three times a week for 11 weeks. So that's, you know, pretty, you know, decent amount of, of uh, stationary bike exercise. And these are of course, psoriatic arthritis patients. And interestingly enough, when they uh, had MRI imaging, they did not find any sort of bone marrow edema uh, pre and post in the hit group and the sort of continue your daily sort of regimen as you will group, um, which is interesting. You know, I think a few things, it just rings true that we should continue to recommend exercise, even relatively high intensity. Um, it would be interesting also to see uh, in the future, you know, uh, perhaps a measurement, maybe like an ultrasound measurement of emphysitis. Uh, I would think, you know, being in an exercise bike, perhaps more uh, pressure on the enthesis. Um, and, and all of those, you know, have a lot of perspective uh, roles here. But I think for me personally, I would continue to recommend um, exercise to my psoriatic arthritis patients. Yeah, I think that that is a really important piece of what we do when we teach and train our patients um, about their disease state and about disease state awareness. I can't recall, did they talk about BMI or even activity level pre-enrollment into the study? Yeah, no. So the wording for that was uh, a little bit vague. They didn't, you know, the, the group that continued their standard exercise, you know, we don't know what that was. You know, I'm assuming one can assume it was light, probably wasn't the high intensity interval training. Um, but perhaps, you know, some people were training more rigorous, rigorously than others. BMI, I don't believe was, was measured or was a um, factor here. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I was going to say, you know, I wonder too about um, if patients change their dietary habits. I mean, someone who's starting to exercise more and didn't exercise a lot before might also be like, hey, I'm not going to waste that by eating poorly. And so they may have also changed some of their diet. Did they talk about that? No, but you know, that's something I completely agree with. I think that's where I think us as rheumatologists, if we push patients to exercise more, we know, I mean, I know if I'm on a bike for half an hour, I'm probably not going to grab that donut unless real, I feel real crappy. You know, I'm probably going to grab a salad or something because I don't want to waste the half an hour of calories burned. And I know how difficult it is to burn calories on a bike. So I think there's a lot of sort of domino effect here. Um, and I think the diet, you know, we know half of weight loss is in the kitchen. It's not just in the, uh, in the gym. When I think this is a pretty timely um, abstract, especially since, you know, a lot of the stationary bike companies really blew up during the pandemic. So it's, it was easier to hopefully find some of those patients and it's important for us to inspire them. So Olga, tell us about your best of abstract from PSA. So I really like the abstract 1783. It's a Canadian state study on the um, rate of hospitalizations for severe infections in patients with PSA. And then it was great to see between 2012-2017, the rate of hospitalization for um, sepsis, UTIs, and soft tissue infections and skin went down significantly in patients with PSA, regardless of being on biologics and DMR treatments, which probably speaks about, you know, a role of good disease control in preventing serious complications. Um, they didn't show, like, they didn't see a big improvement in pneumonia rates or hospitalizations for pneumonia, but still a good trend in, like, all the soft tissue infections, UTIs, sepsis, is uh, something promising. It means like, you know, something we're doing is right. <laughs> yeah, I think that was really assuring, reassuring data. I would like to see this extrapolated out to the COVID-19 patient population, but 
again, we've seen a number of abstracts that kind of support that overall, um, we're hopeful that, of course, our patients do very well um, with COVID-19, et cetera. Anyone have any other comments on this particular abstract? Did you guys see it? Yeah, I thought it was a really nice abstract. I think uh, disease activity itself does predispose to increased rates of uh, complications, even uh, pre-surgery, for example. So it's very reassuring that the more we can treat their disease, the better the outcomes are. And I think that's also because you're monitoring them more as well if they're on these drugs. So they probably have closer care uh, than if they were not on some of these biologics. So I think both of these factors are important. Yeah, important. It's a really important point. Tony, tell us about your best of abstract. Yeah, so we've been searching for biomarkers for years. And to me, I'm a simple rheumatologist. To me, the biggest biomarker is psoriasis, is having skin psoriasis. If you have skin psoriasis, you're very likely to get psoriatic arthritis in the future. And we know that uh, we've looked into factors. I love the, um, a nice study done from Cleveland, uh, 1798 where they had about 386 patients. And they looked at the presence of psoriasis and future development of psoriatic arthritis. And it was very interesting that if you develop psoriasis at age 42, uh, your transition to PSA was 12 years shorter than if you develop psoriasis at age 19. So one wonders about immunological senescence, aging of the immune system, perhaps. But certainly the, um, the practical message, if you develop psoriasis in later age, be looking out for the joints, uh, maybe do a PESCO or one of these scores and screen them a bit harder because their onset is, is quicker. So I thought this was fascinating when I, especially, I know it's, it's not the larger scale of what we would like to see for patients in terms of a trial, but I, I really think there is something to be said about aging and there's been a lot of focus actually, and hopefully you guys have seen it on aging during ACR convergence this year. Anyone else have any thoughts on this? Is this going to change the way that you practice or kind of think through patient cases? I think it definitely will you know, make me pay closer attention, maybe, um, you know, obviously to the population above 40. I think the other interesting thing with this study is you look at the other risk factors and they didn't play a role. You know, the, the, the effect was dramatic with age. It was really dramatic. And also the other interesting thing was, was alcohol and, and, and smoking zero role in, in, uh, progression of psoriasis, the psoriatic arthritis. And I think there were actually some, a few other abstracts this year, uh, in terms of alcohol and, and uh, smoking, psoriatic arthritis disease activity. And the role there was also mixed. Um, obviously, I'm not condoning you know, that, but it's just interesting to see this data, with, especially in the psoriatic arthritis, because we know it behaves a little differently. Yeah, absolutely. And we're still trying to find best measures and best practices. Pete, tell us about your best of abstract. So I uh, actually got into some of the axial um, uh, psoriatic arthritis studies. There's, a, there's plenty of things on this uh, subgroup of patients uh, this, this year. And uh, one study that I, that I liked that I wanted to share was uh, 1796. It had to do with uh, a simple screening in a prospective study where they took a bunch of dermatology clinics and basically asked them for a simple screening of patients that are adults that had three months of back pain or longer starting before age 45 no biologics and confirmed psoriasis and only psoriasis. So uh, these folks were then referred. We ended up uh, in rheumatology seeing a hundred of those patients. And out of those 14 of them had axial uh, psoriatic arthritis, 
with 11 out of those 14 only having axial disease. And so I thought that was just kind of interesting because, you know, when you see these patients with uh, psoriasis, I, I mean, in the dermatology clinic, you want to make sure that now these are p- folks that may not volunteer that they're having back pain when they're getting a skin check with their psoriasis uh, uh, doctor. Um, so just kind of, and, and, it, and it was also a very simple tool. There was no uh, need to go into uh, whether it was inflammatory back pain or not. And so it was just basically straight up chronic back pain. I, actually I think that's important. Yeah, ahead, I saw that as well. And I thought it was, it was amazing because a very basic screening tool that we can educate our dermatology colleagues to put in place, even in the waiting room as patients yeah. check in and, uh, and just design um, a platform where it's easily uh, available for them to refer to rheumatologists if they meet these screening questions. I thought this was a great abstract as well. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, Richard, wrap us up. Tell us your favorite PSA abstract. Yeah, so I, I love the, the tone of the abstracts that everyone's bringing, actually. It's all very relevant to day-to-day practice. I think that's great. Um, and likewise, I'm going to bring something uh, similar. So one thing I do a lot in my everyday practice, use a lot of NSAIDs in psoriatic arthritis and in axial spondyloarthritis. And so I give them to people and so a lot of people raise the question with me oh they, they've heard just sense says you shouldn't be on them for a long time they've cardiac risks and other risks and i usually tell them oh don't don't worry about that you're you're young you'll be fine and actually the risks are really really small but i always in the back of my mind i worry about it a little bit i'm like god is, is this really going to be okay should i really be doing this and leaving these people on long-term NSAIDs. and um, so there's a great um abstract today it was number uh, 1920 and it was from hong kong um, and they had 200 psoriatic arthritis patients um, and they'd done this uh, time varying cox regression analysis um, on them um, and looked at uh, predictors of uh, cardiovascular uh, events um, in these patients and what they found was that an increased crp um, was associated with increased cardiovascular events um, while NSAID use was actually associated with a decrease in cardiovascular events so it seems to me, the biological explanation for this is probably that the NSAIDs are reducing this inflammatory predisposition to cardiovascular disease. And so that's made me a lot happier about what I'm doing every day. It's, it's always reassuring when you see data to support it. So does anyone have any very quick last second updates for anyone who is watching this from home and who hasn't attended ACR? No, I think we're good too. So I will say thank you guys so much for all of your hard work, for your dedication to Team PSA. And as always, I can't wait to work with you again next year. And last but not not least, feel free to continue to monitor for ACR Convergence 2021 updates at roomnow.com.